Well, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's having a wonderful morning this morning. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here with you. So welcome to all of you here in green. Um, just in case everything starts working as it should, we'll say welcome to our other campuses as well, uh, to Cincy and to Bainbridge and to our online campus. Uh, hopefully everything gets restored and the internet comes back on. And if not, we're going to praise God anyways, because God is always good. So again, I'm glad you're here with me, and I'm glad you're letting me bring this message this morning. We're continuing our series, uh, No Big Deal, Exposing Our Respectable Sins. And this has been a great study for me, personally. Um, I've been enjoying this. I hope the Lord has been speaking to you also through this series. If you haven't picked up the book by Jerry Bridges, and you have some space left on your summer reading list... Um, I would encourage you to grab that. It's a good, uh, a deeper dive into some of the topics that we've been studying. Now, ordinarily, when you when you prepare to talk to a group of people, uh, you would you would try to put some kind of a, a hook into the beginning, into your introduction, and that might come in a story, it might come in a, a a game or a joke or a list of of things that relate to the topic. And I was going to go with the list of things this morning. Um, I was going to compile a list of topics, a list of you know the the biggest areas in our lives that can cause us anxiety. See, anxiety is our as our respectable sin of the morning. It's what we're going to be spending our time looking at this morning. And as I was going through, like, Googling, what are the things that make people most anxious, it suddenly hit me. If I put a list of the leading causes of anxiety up here, chances are pretty good, most of us are going to start getting anxious. (laughs) And then I'm going to turn around and be like, oh, by the way, don't be anxious, because uh, that's our respectable sin this morning. That didn't seem fair. Right? That, that seemed like, like picking up a spider and throwing it at my daughters and going, don't be afraid. Like, it's not going to work out well. Okay? So we decided to, to skip that this morning, but anxiety is our uh, topic this morning. Ex- chronic anxiety, uh, according again to the internet, is estimated to haunt one out of every 13 people in the world. So if you figure that there are seven or so billion people in the world and one out of 13 of them uh, has some anxiety issues, then um, let's see, carry the... There's a lot of people that suffer with anxiety. If you want a more accurate number, feel free to figure that out for yourself. I'm not, shall we say, great at math. Um, but you can figure that one out if you'd like. And this morning we're going to draw, draw from four passages... There's my clicker. Four passages. We've got uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, Matthew 6, 24 to 30, 25 to 34, and Philippians 4, 4 to 6, 1, 2, 3. Three passages this morning. Um, yeah, not great at math. Um, if you're the type who likes to turn in your Bible or find it in your Bible app, let me recommend you turn to the passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. It's the longest of the passages. Um, and it's the only one that I won't have on the screen just because of its length. So if you want to find that, feel free. Uh, stick a note in there. Stick your thumb in there. Uh, turn your app to that. And in the meantime, 
let's uh, remind ourselves what this series is about. Now, I used this example last week in Bainbridge. So Bainbridge people, bear with me. You all laughed last week. Hopefully you can laugh at it again. Um, But I'm going to use this example for everybody's benefit this morning. The official title of this series is No Big Deal, Exposing Our Respectable Sins. Now, respectable sins is a phrase that really should feel like an oxymoron. Two words that just shouldn't go together. We shouldn't condone our sin. We, we shouldn't overlook our sin, but it absolutely shouldn't be respectable to us. Our sin should make us feel uneasy. Should make us feel, shall we say, icky, for lack of a better word, right? Sin is serious. All sin is serious. Sin broke the world. Sin put Christ on the cross. Sin separates people from God. All sin did that. My sin did that. Your sin did that. And we're tempted to think of sin as no big deal because most of the time we don't admit it, but we don't see our little sins as harmful. This is how sin is promoted to us. It's this little little kitten Okay, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but let's do a little bit of a thought experiment this morning. Okay, just kind of imagine this along with me. Imagine that you are a professional fighter. Okay, you're a professional. You get to pick. This is an interactive thing. You get to pick what kind of fighting you want to do. So you can be a boxer. You can be like jujitsu. You can be mixed martial arts. You can do 80s hip hop dance battles. Whatever you want to be, that's the kind of fighting that you're going to do. And this guy wants to be the new challenger. This little kitten, he wants your title. So your manager comes up to you and he's like, all right, champ, we've got a new challenger here. It's this little kitten. He wants to be your next opponent. He's your next taking, you know, the the next shot at your title. Now that doesn't seem so bad, does it? Who thinks they could beat this kitten in a fight? It's okay to raise your hand. I'm not asking who kicks kittens on a regular basis. I'm not asking who makes it their Friday night to like chase kittens down. I'm just saying, if push comes to shove, if you absolutely have to, who can take this guy in a fight? I think most of us, right? We we, we think we could take this guy in a fight. It's really not a big deal. It's a kitten. It's done. Right? We win. So we think we can take this guy, and this is how sin is kind of sold to us. But then imagine this, imagine it's the night of the fight, because you can take this guy, so you took that fight, and you're in your corner of the ring, you're doing your, you know, whatever it is, however, you're warming up for your fight, and all of a sudden, you hear the announcer come on, the big mic comes down from the ceiling, big mic, and the announcer says this, he says, in this corner, weighing in at 500 pounds, tonight's challenger, the main attraction, the terror from the deepest heart of man, it's sin and this guy jumps into the ring now who thinks they can take this guy instead of that kitten this is how we should see our sin sin is a big deal you can fight this guy all you want you can 80s hip-hop dance your way into this guy's face and he's just gonna be like whoo dinner and a show right (laughs) let's face it This guy's a big deal. And if we saw all our sin like this, we would know we need to stay away from it. Because no matter how small it seems, no matter how tiny it's packaged, sin is always a big deal. 
Sin is still sin. So back, back to anxiety, and i got to be real with you this morning. I'm no stranger to anxiety. I'm really not. I've had more than my fair share of, of sleepless nights. I've had more than a few moments where I, I have let anxiety get the better of me and kind of overcome my life. And, and maybe you don't need a random list of anxieties to be anxious about something this morning. Maybe that's, that's already a state that you're in. Maybe you know that all too well. I've been challenged by what God has shown me this week while I was studying this topic. And it's okay if it hits a little close to home for you too. Because that means that God's working on us. It means we're not done yet. And it means he is faithful. And we can trust him. Anxiety is a, a feeling of fear, of dread, of uneasiness. It gives you all kinds of of, of health reactions and, and problems and anxieties and worries that go hand in hand just so that we don't uh, separate those too much. Anxiety sounds a little bit more serious, but they're, they're one and the same. Anxieties are, are looking at problems that we foresee in the future, things that we're worried about, things that we're concerned about, things that we're not sure if they're going to hurt us or how we're going to get through them. Those are what cause us anxiety. Now, I gave the example earlier about throwing a spider at my daughters. Let me tell you, my daughters hate bugs. Bugs make them anxious. And uh, for the past few days, there have been a couple of flies that like to fly around our bathroom. And so my daughters are pretty much to the point where they refuse to use the bathroom until they absolutely can't. They get anxious about it. What if the flies are still in there? Honey, the flies are still in there. But what if they, what if they fly around while I'm using the potty? Ignore them. They're just flies. What if they look at me? <laughs> Honey... It's just a fly. It can't hurt you. But instead, they allow that anxiety to kind of rule over them. They're freaked out and anxious about bugs. And as they grow up, I hope they're not so worried about flies. But as we grow up, our anxieties don't just magically go away. They get bigger. Because the problems in our lives seem to get bigger. And our anxieties will always seem terrifying. But this morning we're going to ask the question, should they? Should they terrify us? I know anxiety can be a problem. I know it's a natural tendency that we have to be anxious from time to time. But scripture is going to show us this morning. It's going to give us an important command and then an important remedy when it comes to anxiety. Have you got your spot here in Matthew? I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34 this morning. Matthew wrote these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, in this passage, Jesus is teaching about anxiety. He's talking about worrying about the future. Don't be anxious about what you'll wear. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and why. Because it's God who is in control. God sees and he cares for the birds of the air. God clothes the flowers of the field. And he does it to such a beauty that that not even the richest person, and he's using Solomon as an example, not even the richest of persons could could claim to be clothed with the same beauty and majesty as the flowers. But what is a flower worth? What is a bird worth? I mean, the flower is, is pretty, but soon... It'll wilt and it'll wither and there's nothing left to do with it but toss it in the fire to be burned. Let me ask you this question this morning. Does God love you more than he loves the flowers and the birds? Does God love you more than he loves the flowers and the birds? Christ even asked this question. He asked it rhetorically, but can we actually answer it this morning? Does God love us more than flowers and birds? Yes. Yes, absolutely he does. Consider creation. Consider how God made the world, right? If you went all the way back into Genesis, you'd find that God spoke the world into existence. He gave a command, let there be. And because he spoke that command, existence leapt into being. But according to creation, he did something special. There's one thing he didn't just speak into being. Who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? Anybody? Shout it out. Anybody? Who knows what it is? It's us. God actually took the time to form the man from the clay. He breathed into his nostrils. He made us in his own image. Why? Because he has a special love and care for people. You know what that means? He has a special love and care for you. You are worth so much more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields, and yet our God cares for them. How much more will he care for us? Christ says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today has its own worries. Can anybody tell me that they actually have nothing better to do today than to sit around worrying about tomorrow? I mean, like, is there really nothing important in your life? And maybe with the internet down, if your internet's down at home, maybe there's nothing better to do but sit around and worry about tomorrow, but that's just a a bad mark on our culture, right? But can you really tell me that there's nothing more important going on than worrying about tomorrow? I mean, we lead busy lives. We have a lot going on today. And Christ says, let tomorrow worry about itself. Stay in today. Have you ever thought about the opportunities that we miss, opportunities to glorify God that we miss because we're so preoccupied with anxieties for tomorrow? Have you ever thought about what happens and what we neglect when we lose sight of today because we're so anxious about what's coming down the road? Who do we neglect? What opportunities do we miss? We can't allow anxiety to become more powerful in our own hearts than God is. Now, I know you're probably saying, well, that's well and good, but, you know, there's no how in this passage. 
Christ gives us the command, right? Do not be anxious. And he alludes to the fact that we need to trust in God, but there's no specific how. So we need to, to find a how. How do we not be anxious? Well, for me, it's a, a nice pizza all to myself. A long, hot shower, some fresh jammies, right? That just kind of washes the anxiety away. That's, that's not the biblical response to anxiousness, okay? That's not, let me, not the biblical response to anxiousness. And we're going to find that this morning, okay? We're going to progress here to 1 Peter 5 verses 6 to 8. Peter wrote these words. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Hmm. Roaring lion. That kind of sounds familiar, right? But Peter gives us a look here how we're to handle. Anxiety. He says, humble ourselves, cast our anxieties on God. Now, cast isn't a word that we use very often, right? It's just, it's not a common word. We use it when we fish, but for the most part, you know, maybe screen casting, we do a little bit of that. But to me, in my vocabulary, when I hear casting, I think fishing, and we had that nice little video, and, and it was relaxing, and it was calming. And usually a day out on the water for me, like if I'm going to go fishing, it's a great time for me to sit on the bank, um, not catching fish, but praying and enjoying the majesty of God. Like that's pretty much what I do when I go fishing, and I'm okay with that. That's a good time for me, okay? But there's a problem with this uh, fishing example of casting. You see, if you think about how you fish, that's not actually how we're supposed to cast our cares on God. Right? Imagine you have a fishing pole. You take your fishing pole. You go to make a cast. One goes out. Plop. Inevitably, sooner or later, what do you plan to do? You plan to reel it in. You might hope there's a fish on the end, but the whole device of a fishing pole is designed for two things. Number one, throw something far into the water. Number two, bring it back. That's not actually how we're supposed to cast our cares on God because we're not supposed to do the whole bring it back. We're not supposed to have a line tethered to our cares. We're supposed to send them to God one way trip. Now inevitably we do bring them back. It's not what God intends, but inevitably we do end up picking up those same worries again. I know that. And we're going to talk about that. You see, the problem is when we, when we focus on anxiety, when we focus on worrying for the future, we're saying we think we can handle it better than God. We're saying, God, I don't trust you with this, this problem that I see coming. God, I don't think you're big enough to, to overcome this or to handle this. God, I don't think you're really God. Because we know God is all-powerful, and we know he is good, and we know his love for us is steadfast. When we pick up and hold and carry our anxieties, we're saying we think we can handle them better than God. But that's not how we're supposed to do. So what if we took a different approach to worries that are bothering us? What if, right from the beginning, we keep these truths in mind, okay? Truth number one, God oversees my today and my tomorrow. 
God oversees my today and my tomorrow. He is in charge. He is God. He is the head honcho. Yesterday, when we were looking forward to this morning's worship, we thought we had a plan, right? We thought we had a system in place. That's not what worked out. And and as Pastor Chuck was saying, we could sit here and we could complain about it. We could be anxious about it. We could say, oh, no, what are we going to do? Or we can say God's plan is higher than ours. And if it doesn't go our way this morning, that's okay. God's in control. And if it doesn't go our way tomorrow, that's okay. God's in control. He has a plan. God oversees my today and my tomorrow. God loves me. This is number two. God loves me with a steadfast love. How much does God love us? Right? God loves us so much to such an extent that he was willing to send Christ to die on a cross for us. He did that so many years ago, before any of us here were even born. Does God still love us that much? Does he still love us that much? Absolutely. God loves us with a steadfast love. That means it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if God is in charge of my today and tomorrow, and God loves me with a steadfast love, then that means truth number three. I can trust God's plan for me. I can trust God's plan for me. Now, Peter says that we should humble ourselves. We should wait for God's timing to exalt us. So what does it mean to humble ourselves? It means that we exalt God to his proper place as God, as the Lord of our lives. It means we submit to his control and his timing. He has great plans to provide for us. Can we trust him to do so? Yes. Yes, we can. Do we trust him to do so? Ask yourself that. Do we trust God with our tomorrow? See, sometimes we don't act like it because we start worrying about what tomorrow is going to bring, like, like God can't handle it. Like God doesn't love us. Like he doesn't have a plan to provide for us, but he does. Do we trust God with our tomorrow? I hope so. And what happens when we do? What happens when we truly cast our anxieties upon God, when we send them one way upon God, when we bring him our problems about tomorrow, our worries, our anxieties, God gives us peace. We're we're equating or, or comparing these respectable sins to the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians. This morning we're talking about the respectable sin of anxiety and worry for tomorrow and the fruit that we get in its place is peace. Peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit that counters anxiety. Now let's consider Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, Paul writes this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want peace in your life? 
Cast your anxieties upon God. You want peace in your life? You want to feel peace in your life? Cast your anxieties upon God. Now, here's some great practical steps for casting our cares on God, okay? This is where we are. This is what we're hoping for this morning. Number one, Paul says, rejoice. And it's so important. He doesn't just say rejoice. He says it twice. Now, I know that's hard to do when you're anxious. I do. I know how hard it is to rejoice when we're anxious about something, when we're worried about something. But God is good, and we can rejoice in who he is. We can rejoice in all that he has done for us, and we can rejoice because he has promised to do great things for us and through us to his glory. Rejoice. You see, when we rejoice in the Lord, it does wonderful things in us as well. Yes, he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of us of us rejoicing in him. But it's really hard to rejoice the Lord and stay anxious. Because in rejoicing in God, guess what? We are exalting God to his place as God. And as Peter says, then we are humbling ourselves. We're putting God in his rightful place. Start with rejoice. Focus on God. We have to focus on him to rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord for he is good. Focus on him. Humble ourselves. Next step, talk it out. See, Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. How many times have we been guilty of hypocrisy when it says, when we let our anxiety get the better of us? And we find ourselves saying God is in control in one breath and we run around worried and anxious about our tomorrow in the next. Talk it out with people. Get some, some trusted friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, family members. Let them know, look, I am struggling with anxiety over this issue. I'm having an issue here. Please come alongside me. Pray for me. Support me. Help me to focus on God in this. I hope that you have a group of brothers and sisters that you can do that with. I truly do. And the reason that we're so keen to promote our connect groups is because that is a, a breeding ground for this sort of community. When we have a small group like a connect group, we get to share life with one another. We get to build the, the comfortability of a relationship to where I can go to my, my connect group and I can say, listen, I really am having a problem with this. This anxiety is hard for me to cast away. It's hard for me to put it down. I am really, really worried about this. And our connect groups, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they come around us and they pray with us and they support us and they check in with us and they say, how are you doing with this? Are we rejoicing together in the Lord about this? Let me tell you, connect groups are awesome. And so if you're not involved with one of them, Please get involved with a connect group and start to build these relationships because they are helpful. They are vital for our lives as Christians. Build those communities. But also, and ultimately, pray it out. Paul says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How do we cast our anxieties on him? We take them to him. In prayer. Do we just take them? 
Do we just show up to God and say, like, these are all the things I'm anxious about. Here's my my Christmas list of anxiety problems. Just go ahead, take care of all these for me. Thanks, see you later, bye-bye. Right? Of, of course, of course not. See, Paul says we need to come to God with more than just our anxieties. We need to come to him with thanksgiving and supplications and let our request be known to God. Now, some of you might be pulling your phones out to... Uh, to Google the word supplication. Um, I'm suspecting this might be true because when I read this passage, the first thing I did was pull my phone out and Google the word supplication. Not a word that I really recognized or felt like I had a good grasp of. And since the internet is down, I'm going to save you the data charges. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. There's that word again, or humbly. Asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So what does that mean for us? That's the difference between these two prayers, okay? It's the difference between a prayer that says, God, I'm trusting you, so give me everything I want because you said I can trust you and I have needs. That's number one. That's not, not the good example, okay? Humbleness, earnestness. How about a prayer like this? God, you're awesome, and you're amazing, and I don't deserve the great love and care that you have shown for me, but I am so grateful that you have promised that I can trust all my tomorrows in your hands. I am anxious about this, but I know that you are so much bigger than my situation. I trust your will, your plan, and your timing. Forgive me for my anxiousness. Show your will to me in your time. That's a much better example of earnestly and humbly with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication coming before God. Now, just in case we need another example to see the difference here, let's say one of your children were to walk up to a parent to say, it's dinner time, give me macaroni and cheese. Right? I mean, that's kind of the, the child equation of the first prayer, right? I have this thing I want, and I'm kind of worried about the fact that I haven't gotten dinner yet. It's dinner time. Give me macaroni and cheese. Anybody going to respond to their kid like, yeah, awesome. That's a great way to talk to daddy. Like, no. Okay. First problem, just stop. Second, let's discuss dinner, Okay. Now imagine the same kid were to come up to you, and I know kids don't do this, I promise. I've, I've, I've been hoping, but they don't. Imagine that kid comes up to the parent and says, I know you have a plan for dinner, and so thank you so much for taking care of me. I'm hungry, but I can wait for when you're ready to serve dinner. <laughs> Anybody imagine like a six-year-old coming up and saying that? I would be like, you can have anything you want for dinner. That was like the most amazing thing ever. Just give me a hug. But it doesn't happen. But all too often, we come to God like the first child. I see this need, and I need it fixed now. As opposed to the second, problem, the second child that says, yeah, I see this need that I have, and I know you're going to take care of it in your time, and I trust you, and I love you, and thank you for that, and help me to be patient. Thanks. You see, that's how we're supposed to bring our anxieties to God. We're supposed to bring them to him with thanksgiving, with an understanding, a humble understanding of who God is, that he loves us and he has a plan for us. And we're supposed to lay them at his feet and to trust him that he will take care of them. And in return, 
knowing that we have done this, knowing that our, our future is in the hands of a loving Almighty Father, we have joy, peace. Last week, we have peace from God, the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, how freeing it is to live in God's peace. It's a peace that, as Paul says, surpasses all understanding. It's the kind of peace that we can only have when we live out our belief that God is in control of today and tomorrow and the next day, and he is so much bigger than any problems. Paul actually says that that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Think back to that example I gave about my daughters not wanting to use the bathroom because of the flies. Their, their hearts, their minds are so focused on that anxiety that they're not actually listening to the more pressing needs of their body. I have to go in there and use this facility. That's how we get. Our minds and our hearts get so worked up and so anxious that we start to neglect today and the needs that we have and the opportunities that we have to to worship and glorify God. But this peace, Paul says, will guard our hearts and our minds. And some of you are thinking, yeah, right. I mean, you don't know how big this anxiety, this worry, this problem that I have coming up. You don't know how strong it is. You don't know how big this problem is. Trust me, I do know the feeling. You're right. I don't know everything that's going on in all of your lives. I know that feeling because I've been through some things myself. And I'm sure that I will have problems that seem that big again in the future. And so what do we do when those problems and worries seem that big? We cast them on God. And when we pick them back up again because they're really big and we're really worried about them, we cast them back on God. How many times do we need to do it? As many times as we need to. As often as we need to. As often as we pick back those worries upon ourselves, as, long, as often as we find ourselves in this respectable sin situation where we're going to say, God isn't big enough to fix this problem. I have to worry about it ourselves. Stop yourself. Check yourself. Rejoice in the Lord. With prayer and thanksgiving and humbleness, bring it back to him and cast it on him again and again and again and again and again. I can't tell you how long it's going to take because it's a sinful habit that we need to break. And you might say, I've been struggling with this one or that one for a really, really long time. And let me tell you, I have to say this, keep struggling with it. Keep struggling with it. Think of your anxiety, whatever this problem is. Think of it like the Tasmanian devil. Okay? Does anybody remember the Tasmanian devil? That old cartoon character, right? He doesn't walk around. He's a whirlwind tornado. Trees fall over anywhere he goes. And it's like how he talks. There's a slobber coming all over the place. He always wants to eat Bugs Bunny or something. Imagine that your anxieties are like that sometimes. These big problems, they're like that sometimes. How do you take the Tasmanian devil to God if he was your anxiety and cast him on God? You struggle with it. 
Every step of the way, it's going to fight you, fight it back. The struggle is okay. It means you're still working on it. I am much happier with the struggle than without. Because the only times that we're not struggling with our sin is one of two things. Either we don't have any, and we know that's not true, or we're overlooking it, and therefore it's winning. I know anxiety can be a big struggle, and I know some of us are plagued by it time and time again. Struggle with it. Fight with it. Cast it upon God as often as we need to. Lay it down at his feet and do our best to exalt him above it, to know he's bigger, to trust our tomorrows for him. And when it starts to creep back in, pounce on it again and and drag it kicking and screaming and Tasmanian deviling all the way back to God again and say, this got away. I'm sorry I let it follow me. Here you go again. Forgive me for this sin issue, but I lay it down at your feet. Cast your anxieties upon him as often as they crop up. Remember these two things. Anxiety is an opportunity to trust God. I know it seems like a big, scary problem, and it can be a big, scary problem, but it's an opportunity to take that problem and put it in its place. You're a big, scary problem, but I have a much bigger God, and he is much greater than you. Anxiety is an opportunity to, to trust God. Peace is the result of casting our anxiety on him. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, as we come before you, we are, we are so grateful and thankful for all you have done for us. Father, we are so in awe of how wonderful you are. We don't deserve your love, but you show it to us day in and day out. You give us a a steadfast love that we can do nothing but praise you for. And Father, we admit that our problems and our worries and our difficulties and our situations, they seem so huge to us a lot of the times. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to notice when those anxieties are creeping up so that we can drag them back to you and cast them upon you and leave them with you to experience your peace. It's a habit. We need to break it. It will take time. It will take practice. Give us the strength and the will to trust in you and to exalt you and your glory is higher than all things. Help us to trust our todays, our tomorrows, and everything to you. We know that you will come through because you are a great, great Father. Lord, we thank you for all these things and we ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen.